Welcome to So Much More. I'm Jody Nisnik, your host. This is a podcast designed to help you create space for God. Jesus, in some of his last words found in John 16, 12, stated, There is so much more I want to tell you. He then pointed to the Spirit as the one who would come, who would further his teaching by bringing his word to life for us. So much more creates space for God to reveal his truth through his word. Today, I am excited to have Julie Pierce with me as we have a conversation around Luke chapter eight and what the Lord led her to in this passage. Julie is a leadership coach. She's a speaker and she has served in pastoral ministry for many years. She has also been my friend for quite some time. And so I'm really delighted to share Julie with you today. So welcome, Julie. Hi, thanks for having me. (laughs) I'm so glad you're here. Me Uh, too. So why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about who you are? Yeah, I think first and foremost, obviously I'm your friend. So that gives me the credibility to be on the podcast. Uh, Yeah, so... I, my passion and purpose, what I love to do more than anything else is to empower leaders to change the world. And I get to do that through coaching and speaking, as you mentioned before. I am also a wife to my husband, Brian, and I'm a mom of two teenage boys, and they are a blast. However, my favorite family member, and everybody else knows this, that I have a favorite, my favorite family member is our lab, Sully. He's the sweetest. He's my favorite. He gets the preferential treatment in our house and everybody's just kind of resolved and and knows this. So Sully is pretty sweet. Uh, He's, he's a very lovable black lab. I don't know what else to say about Sully. Yeah. He's the best. Yeah. Well, uh, so Julie, you are a leadership coach and Tell us a little bit, what does that mean? What do you do? Yeah, I, you know, when I think about coaching, it's different than consulting and counseling. Counseling is really focused on the why and looking back and trying to heal up some of the broken places from our past so that we can move forward. And I'm all for counselors. I think every leader needs to have a counselor that they work with to help them through some of the hard things that happen and some of the wounds that we pick up along the way, because leadership is not always easy. And then consulting is really where the expertise lies with the consultants. And then they come in and they help um, you solve the problem. They map out the plan and then they give that plan to you. And coaching is really where the expertise lies with the person being coached. So if I were coaching with you, with you, Jody, the reality is you know your situation, your team, your organization better than anybody else, better than I do. And so my job as the coach is to ask powerful questions that help you see everything that you're looking up so closely at help us help you see it from a different perspective. And ultimately at the end of the day, what coaching does is it brings clarity and confidence. So it brings clarity with what your next steps are. It's very action oriented. And I just, I think it's the best. Like I, I love it so much. I love coaching leaders. I love being that person in their corner 
because leadership is lonely and sometimes it feels like, okay, is anybody here for me? <laughs> Am I like, I'm always the one who has to help everybody else. Can anybody just help me? And that's what I love about coaching is that I get to be that person in their corner, cheering them on, believing in their potential, and also just challenging them and pushing them to help go uh, further and deeper to really lead to thriving teams. I love it. I really am a little passionate about it. No, I think that's, I think that's so good. I think I love how you delineated between counseling and consulting and coaching. I think that's really helpful. And at times we need all of those people in our lives. A hundred percent. Yeah. So yeah. Thank you for unpacking that for us. Yeah. If you need, if you need a great leadership coach, I know one. So (laughs) (laughs) well, it's Uh, super fun right now because I get to do that with Jenny Katrin and the Foresight Group. And so I get to lead up a team of leadership coaches. And so it's fun to learn from them too, like how they coach differently than I do. mm -hmm. So it's really been a lot of fun. Yeah. I've had some great coaches in my life and it's been they have been super helpful. Like you said, bringing clarity, helping me know where I'm going and the confidence to actually take the steps forward to get there has been super helpful. So, okay, well, let's move into our conversation on this passage out of Luke chapter eight. So as a reminder, we did this as an imaginative prayer experience. And before we dive in, I want to read the whole passage to you again, so that you're reminded of, of what we, what you did in the imaginative prayer. So this is a reading from Luke eight verses 40 through 50. Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader came and fell at Jesus's feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. So one of the reasons why we did this particular passage as an imaginative prayer experience is because there's so many details given to help 
us imagine what was going on there. Luke is very um, colorful in some of the language he uses to, to draw our attention to certain things. So um, Julie, tell us a little about what that scene looked like to you and what are some of the things that the Lord kind of helped you paint in your imagination as you imagined what this scene was like? Yeah. So the first piece was the crowd. I don't love crowds. So um, I kind of imagined, you know, like being at an outdoor market that's really packed, like a farmer's market or even like an outdoor concert or something where there's just a ton of people there. Um, That's what I imagined. Just this big group that keeps gathering, 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 and it just keeps growing and it's kind of pressing in and you're all trying to see that was what I imagined. And I, again, as I said, I don't particularly love those kinds of places. (laughs) Um, I think part of it's because I'm an introvert. Now on the flip side, I do, one of the things I do like about those kinds of things is I do love people watching and observing and seeing what's happening around um, I don't want to press in and be right in the hot middle of everything. I I do like to to watch, and so that's completely the the place I found myself as I was imagining this playing out in front of me. I imagined myself as just another person in the crowd, just mm-hmm. seeing and watching and observing. They're curious, just like everybody else. Hey, what's going to happen when Jesus shows up today? We heard he's coming. Oh, there he is. You know, just this, I imagined lots of chatter and, you know, the smells of everybody being so close together and outside and, um, but just lots of chatter, just people asking and wondering and, and commenting on, oh, there he is. And, you know, well, let's try to get in closer and just kind of jockeying to get closer in. That was kind of the scene that I imagined. Mm-hmm. I love it. So did you literally imagine body odor? Is that because you have teenage boys? I'm just, you know, you can't escape that Jody. It's part of you wherever you go. (laughs) That like I went with my son to his eighth grade orientation this morning. And as soon as I walked down that hallway, I was like, it smells like teenage boys in here. (laughs) It's a very distinct smell. Well, I imagine it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because it is hot where he was and people didn't have showers like we do. I mean, so it's, it's interesting. I'm sure there was that kind of people aroma there that they probably had acclimated to and just all these people kind of pressing in. Um, So as you kind of moved through the readings um, on the third reading, I invited you to experience the passage as if you are one of these four groups of people, either Jairus, the woman, one of the disciples or someone in the crowd. Um, you started out kind of observing as someone in the crowd. Did, did it shift for you when you were invited to be one specific person or did you stay as the woman or as someone in the crowd? Yeah, I stayed as someone in the crowd, which is interesting. Um, a few of the things that I noticed were one, whenever Jairus, well, first of all, I, I, as a, a crowd, a person in the crowd, I felt like I was there just like everybody else, just to get a load of what's going to happen. Like, okay, let me see who this Jesus is. What is he going to do as he walks through? 
you know, there's been rumor that he might be coming for this reason, like just kind of curious and wanting to see what happens whenever we show up, you know, um, again, that just kind of observer mm-hmm. and curious. And then I noticed that whenever Jairus shows up on the scene and is asking Jesus to come, you know, heal, uh, I was a little put out. <laughs> How embarrassing is that? Uh, I was a little put out like, hey, uh, we're here to see Jesus. He came to our, he's coming through here. Uh, what is, what do you, why are you asking him to detour? I was like, that's interesting to notice that I didn't appreciate someone taking my Jesus sideshow somewhere else. And now I have to follow you. Okay. Well, that's something to notice. Um, and then I was just continuing to watch and I noticed the woman, uh, I noticed what, like I could, was kind of leaning in to hear, what are they saying? What are they, why did they stop? You know, like, why are we stopping? I just kind of leaned in to, to hear, I'm asking around, I'm trying to just hear their conversation. And then I just couldn't get past what Jesus said to the disciples. So whenever they, at, like, they're like, Lord, everybody's touching you. Everybody's pressing in. Of course you, somebody touched you. Right. They're just, they're put out with Jesus. Um, and then he's like, no, someone, touched me and then I went and read it in another translation later and it said uh someone deliberately touched me Mm. and then he goes on to speak to the woman and say and so I I was just struck by that like the reality is everybody in the crowd had something going on you know uh someone they need healed something going on in their own life you know uh something that they could have gone and asked Jesus about. And a lot of them were close enough that they could have. Mm -hmm. And she was the one who was deliberate to reach out and her faith. So it was that deliberate touch and her faith. It was that combination of the two, just like Jairus. Mm -hmm. He was deliberate, went and seat, like interrupted whatever Jesus was doing, you know, as he was walking, you know, so he was deliberate and it was his faith. And I just was so struck by that. Like here I was in the crowd. I could have just as easily done that. Mm. And yet I was just observing and just watching and going to see this, you know, Jesus sideshow. And there those two were who were deliberate and full of faith. That's really good. Okay. So let's talk about how this applies to your life today. Yeah, unpack that one, Jody. (laughs) Remember, I'm not a counselor (laughs) or or a consultant or a coach, actually. I'm just your guide right now. Um, I I would love to know really where you went with the Lord on that. And if you're ready, perhaps even talk about kind of, well, let's start with how did you start to feel like this applied to your life? Yeah, so in the additional space where I was invited, where he invited me to, okay, engage with the Lord on this, like Mm -hmm. look in Jesus's eyes. And, and that's what I felt like he was saying to me was, Julie, you could have reached out to me Mm. and 
trusted that I was going to meet your need too. And instead you chose to watch and see, and that's fine. Those things build our faith. Those aren't wrong, you know, to watch and see what God's doing in other um, people's lives. But you can be deliberate in those settings. And what I, where I took it to as I was reflecting on it was I think there's a lot of times when I go to gatherings of God's people, whether that's a worship service or a Bible study or a concert or whatever, like some gathering, because of my background in leadership and event planning and all the things, right? Like I'm kind of breaking it apart and thinking through, oh, well, that didn't quite work or, oh, you know, this is why they were planning it this way. Or I'm kind of observing and seeing how people are responding to what's been planned or whatever the case is. And it's often hard for me I mean, I'm, I'll participate. It's not that I'm not participating, like, um, but it's often hard for me to move from observer to me deliberately reaching out for Jesus with, full of faith that he wants to do something in my life, not just for the crowd, mm. not just for my family that I brought with me or my friend that I brought with me or the rest, like, that he wants me to deliberately reach out to him full of faith, trusting that he's going to heal the place up in me, trusting that he's going to move and work in my life. So that was kind of where I went Mm -hmm. with that. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I love even how you started that with the Lord kind of speaking to you you know, it's okay to be there to observe as well. Cause that builds your faith. Um, and I love that because I feel like a lot of times when we enter into these conversations with the Lord, we have to be really careful to be able to discern what his voice really sounds like versus what we're trying to impose on the situation. So you could have easily gone to a place of you're doing it wrong and you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. And so that's not the Lord's voice. The Lord's voice is invitation. It's love it's that's, that's okay. And that's good in some situations, but Julie, I have something more for you. Yeah. I want to invite you into something different. Yeah. I wrote down the words that I felt like he was saying to me were come see me. Mm. And you're right. Like those words are not judgmental. They're not, it was just like, Hey, I'm right here. Come see me. It's good. You know, in the middle of all of this, I always want, I always see you. (laughs) Can you come see me? So anyway, that's powerful. Have you, uh, since you've done that, has that kind of sacred echo been, have you been carrying that around with you since this experience? Yeah, because I think, so when I think about the ways that I best connect with God, they are very silence and solitude by myself experiences. Mm. <laughs> they're, they are not often, um, it's not that he can't, it's not that he hasn't. It's just when I think about the ways that I really enjoy spending time with God, it is often by myself. Private. 
Yeah. It's often private. It's often by myself. It's often in nature, like all those different things. And I, I felt like it just, it kind of shifted something in me in this season about just the way he's inviting me to engage, whether that's in corporate worship or in other places where there are people around, you know, um, that it's not just about the task at hand or what he's doing in and around me. It's about what he wants to do and in, in me as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, it's so fascinating. This is one of the reasons why I love doing imaginative prayer and Lectio Divina because God leads us all different directions with his words and they are all true directions because that's the spirit guiding us. And I imagine that other people listening to this were different people in this, you know, there may have been some people that felt like they were the woman and just in this place of desperation and feeling like they've, they've given everything they had to try and make something work. And this is like their last ditch effort to reach out and how much faith that took or Jairus who's in this deep anxiety of potentially losing his daughter, 12 years, like I can't even imagine. And I know that there are people that have gone through that, but, um, and then the disciples, and I love even just like how you characterize that they're a little put out, right? They're like, seriously, Lord, (laughs) do you see all these people? Everybody's touching you. (laughs) Yeah. And so I just think that's one of the things that I love is how the Lord met you in this passage and spoke to you something that you needed to hear and something that he was inviting you to be a part of in a deeper way. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Yeah. Well, um, okay. So I have a quick little wrap up for us, a little lightning round of questions. And, uh, so just whatever comes to your mind. All right. (laughs) I feel like that's maybe dangerous, but okay. We'll see. Okay. Well, you'll be fine. I, I totally believe in you. (laughs) All right. I feel closest to Jesus when, when I am in nature. Ah, I love it. Okay. A book. This is going to be a tough one for you because you read a ton, a book besides the Bible that everyone needs to read is. Oh, good night. It's so hard. I love all the books. Um, okay. Maybe a few books. How about that? Okay. <laughs> it's less than 20. Um, okay. I think every leader needs to read Ruth Haley Barton, Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership. Amen. I mean, life-changing. life-changing. Uh-huh. So that one for sure. I feel like every leader needs to read The Coaching Habit which is how to take a coach approach in your leadership, which I think is brilliant. The end. I'll stop there. Okay. Good job. Well done. I stopped it too. I know. I'm impressed. Okay. These are hard for you. I'm asking you really difficult questions. One thing I learned in COVID lockdown was. How much of the day to day I had been missing. Mm. Yeah, that's good. That's real good. Maybe this will be easier for you. What, <laughs> what's your favorite coaching question? All right. One of my favorite coaching questions is what does this make possible? 
I heard that from Michael Hyatt. He shared it in the context of a big failure. Like instead of just constantly looking at that failure and going, oh my gosh, I'm a hot mess. Like how could I let this happen? Da, 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 da. He said, instead, now he will look at that and go, okay, so what does this make possible? And so I love that question because, again, it helps us reframe the situation and it helps us go, okay, so this is an ending. All right, well, then what does that mean is going to begin? You know, okay, well, this is, didn't work out, but what does this make possible now? You know, mm-hmm. so same thing with like, you know, you asked about COVID earlier you know, asking that question, okay, so a million things <laughs> this disrupts and, and makes impossible, but what does this make possible? Mm. You know, um, yeah, I love that question. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a great question. Well, thanks, Julie. It's been so fun to have you on so much more. I loved it too. Thank you for inviting me. Well, I want to ask you all a little favor. If this podcast is meaningful to you, would you take a moment and subscribe to it? Would you rate it? Would you maybe even share it with a few friends? Because if you're finding it helpful, I would love for it to get into the hands of other people so that they can use it in their time with the Lord as well. Well, thanks again for joining me on So Much More, where Jesus has so much more to say to us, and we are creating space to listen. A powerful prayer life does not require hiking a mountain to be able to hear from God. God can meet us right in the middle of our busy lives to help, guide, and speak to us through prayer. I'm Christina Patterson, host of the Teach Us to Pray podcast, providing practical teaching and encouragement on how you can make prayer a natural and consistent part of your everyday life. I promise it won't require hiking a mountain, but you just might develop the faith to move one. Listen and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.